0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another hour of blissful living. I am Rochelle Lawson, the queen of feeling fabulous. And today, my guest is going to talk to us about something that hampers us all at one point in time in our life. We're going to be discussing procrastination and how when we procrastinate, it can increase our stress levels. And really, we can eliminate procrastination and reduce our stress levels uh, that are related to that. And so I have a wonderful guest, Dr. Irina O'Brien. And um, she is a business psychology and motivation expert. And she comes with a wealth of credentials and just so much information that she wants to share with us. So instead of me rambling on and talking about how wonderful she is, It's uh, time for me to just let you see and hear how wonderful she is. So welcome to the show, Irina. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you. How are you, Rochelle? And thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're
0: welcome. I'm doing fabulous. Do you prefer that I call you Dr. O'Brien or Dr. Irina or um, Irina is just fine? Which do you prefer? Um, Irina is just fine. Okay, great. Well, I'm so happy you're here, Irina. I know you have so much experience. And I know people, you know, throughout the world suffer from bits or bouts of procrastination. And when we do that, it does increase our stress, no matter what we tell ourselves, or no matter how many times we tell ourselves it doesn't. And so I want to know, um, with you being, you know, with your credentials and you know you being a doctor and you've done some really fabulous things based on uh, neurosomatics, I want to know how did you become interested in procrastination? What led you to seek that out um, so that you can help those that you deal with?
1: Well, it, it really started when I went uh, I went back to school after leaving my accounting career because I used to be a chartered accountant mm-hmm. and um, and so in the it's equivalent to it being a CPA. In the US. Okay. And um, so I went back for a second undergraduate degree and I took my first classes in neurobiology and cognition and I became hooked on studying how the mind worked. And so then in graduate school I studied working memory and second language learning and I and I still do research in that area at the University of Quebec at Chicoutimi. Uh-huh. But if we fast forward a few years I started coaching entrepreneurs and I realized that most of my clients came to me because they were chronic procrastinators and it was hurting their business. But they had goals that they wanted to achieve and their procrastination was keeping them stuck and they felt awful about it. But no matter how badly they felt, they couldn't get themselves moving. And so then I got really good at helping them find the root cause of their procrastination and move forward. And I think that's the empiricist in me. I keep looking until I find the answer. Huh? And uh, so then I started to research the scientific literature on procrastination. And uh, I have to say um, that I'm becoming somewhat of an expert now.
0: Well, that's fabulous because procrast- I know yeah. myself Um, I I, I tend to, I'm the type of person that if I have something to do, I can't relax until I get it done, you know, so for me, procrastination um, doesn't exist I mean, I can't say it's completely gone for me, but It doesn't exist at levels where it hampers me and and creates stress because I want to really truly get the stuff off my plate so that I can relax. I'm really truly all about, you know, relaxing and being stress free and, you know, living this blissfully optimal, healthy and well life. And I know that stress creates havoc in all aspects and all facets of our life. Right. But for those that are out there listening, I know procrastination is a major problem for a lot of people, especially like if you own a business. Procrastination can be really detrimental to the the health and wealth of your business. So, um, how would you define procrastination based on you know all the you know all the people that you've helped? I know you've kind of formulated a, a definition that that fits for what we're going you know what we're doing today. So, how would you define that?
1: Um, well, really, procrastination is a, a voluntary, irrational delay. So it has to be voluntary, mm-hmm. right? So it, 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 it's not that something else urgent came up that you had to do, And um, but we'll talk about that. You could get into self-deception there. But anyway, voluntary and the delay has to be rational and despite the expectation of a potential negative outcome. So that means that all procrastination is delay, but not all delay is procrastination. And so really it's the gap between what you intend to do and your actions, so it's not a time management problem. It really is a problem of self-management rather than time management. And uh, Dr. Joe Ferrari, who's uh, a noted researcher in procrastination, said that telling someone who procrastinates to buy a weekly planner is like telling someone with chronic depression to just cheer up.
0: Wow. That's, that's, yeah. that's powerful. Can you just state that one more time? Because, um I know a lot of people, coaches and things of that nature. Uh, one of the number one things that they sometimes will suggest to a client is, well, just get a journal and start writing, but that doesn't always work for everyone. And so can you just repeat what you just said? Cause I think that's a profound statement that I am um, the listeners will want to hear and, and absorb into their psyche.
1: So it's telling someone who procrastinates to buy a weekly planner is like telling someone with chronic depression to just cheer up. And and really it does make me angry that there's so that, that there's so much time management stuff out there and it doesn't work for chronic procrastinators.
0: Right. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we know <coughs> excuse me, you and I know that procrastination is a big problem and can be a really big problem that leads to other, you know, other issues in our life. How big would you say the problem um, with progress with procrastination is?
1: It's bigger than you can even imagine. Uh, most of us procrastinate from time to time, but 20% of us are chronic procrastinators. So if we just take the population of, of the U.S., That means that 62 million people are robbing themselves of success Wow did you guys hear
0: that if you are a person that's prone to procrastination you really need to take a hold of this because this is some very insightful information that Irina is laying down on us today with regards to being a chronic procrastinator that was really really insightful um, and so if you haven't already stopped, you guys know I like to tell you to, if you're driving, pull over, pull out a pen and a piece of paper and sit there for a few minutes so you can enjoy your hour of bliss. And take notes about the information that's going to be given to you. And if you're somewhere where you're already sitting and you're listening to this show, then take, you know, get your favorite beverage, pull out your pen and paper and take down some notes. Because I guarantee that the information that you will receive today is going to help you, especially if you have identified yourself as somewhat. um you know, some type of person that procrastinates, you might do it a little bit or you might be a chronic procrastinator, but I'm, I'm sure today you're going to get some information to help you move forward through that procrastination. Now we know, Irina, that procrastination is a huge problem, a really huge problem. And it, it, it does catapult into, um, you know, just increasing stress levels within ourselves and how we react with people and things of that nature. But really, can you tell us? What are the real costs? How much does this cost us when we procrastinate?
1: Well, you know, procrastination, it literally robs us of our success, right, financially and otherwise, because we're not doing what we need to do to get ahead. And um, as you said, I mean, procrastination causes stress. But the reason we procrastinate is because it relieves immediate anxiety. But in the long term, it causes stress. And and also procrastinators tend to drink more Mm. than they intend to. They have more colds and flus. They have more gastrointestinal problems. They're more likely to suffer from insomnia. And with regard to relationships, I mean, it can destroy private relationships and teamwork because it shifts the burden of responsibilities onto others who then become resentful. And then you have the regret and the grief that you haven't done what you intended to do. And that you know, uh, and that you know, it's your own fault. And in my work, I really do have to say that chronic procrastinators feel awful about it. Wow,
0: I, I'm I'm I'm
1: just yeah, even though they know they're doing it.
0: Yeah, I'm blown away with this. I mean, I I um. I really like what you were saying and how you tied it into, you know, how much it costs you. So it's costing you in your personal relationships. It's costing you in your business relationships. And if you're on a team and working, it could cost you, you know, with regards to how people respect and feel about you. I know I have uh, during my college years and, and courses of study have, you know, you, you get put into groups to do a project and lo and behold, there is always someone in the group that does not carry their weight. And it could be because they're just truly procrastinators or they just, I, I you know, I really don't know. I, that would be probably something to research, but um, you know, you do the, the other people in the group do build up a little bit of resentment when that person's not holding their weight and doing what they're supposed to do when it should be done, because now you've put the burden upon other people and now they have to, you know, basically fill in the gap and they take on additional stress that really doesn't need to be there. If you know, if the person that has this procrastination problem just get with it. But I also think that, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I also think that people that tend to procrastinate or be procrastinators don't necessarily see themselves in that light. Is that true?
1: Um, no. I think I think that procrastinators really do know that they procrastinate. Okay. They know that, but they don't know what to do about it because they've tried the time management, they've tried to uh, just get themselves in gear, and and it hasn't been working. So, um, yeah, that's one of the reasons. So, so there really is often a, a much deeper issue. Oh,
0: now now I, yeah. I'm gonna, um, I'm going to be I like to you know play and um, put puzzles together, so to speak, or do the seek and find. And when you say there is really a bigger issue behind the reason why someone procrastinates. Um, Can you just dive into a little bit of what you've discovered or some of the issues that that
1: lie behind that? Um, yeah. And first, I'm going to go into some of the some of the surface reasons or, or, or some of the ways that we that, that, that we that we talk ourselves into procrastinating because they're really interesting. Yeah. See? So one of the ways is that we deceive ourselves. We so we tell ourselves that we'll feel like it tomorrow, but we're really notoriously bad at predicting how we're going to feel tomorrow. And when you look at it, really, why would we feel better tomorrow about doing that task than, than today? Right. Right? So, and another way we deceive ourselves is called structured procrastination. And so that is when we avoid doing an important task by doing a task that's useful but less important than the one <laughs> <that> we're avoiding. <laughs> and <in> a, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, so an example would be writing a letter apologizing for how late we are and stating like that our good intentions to get to work. Mm-hmm. And this is a way of avoiding the important task. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. That's
0: I, mean, I, I don't know all the time but I have been guilty of doing that. You know, it's like I have something I really need to do and then I have all these other little things that mm, I need to do them. But they're not as a pri as much as a priority as the thing that I really need to do. But it just seems sometimes like a big mountain to tackle. And so, you know, why tackle the big mountain when I can, you know, take care of all the little hills and feel really accomplished, you know, because I've got all the little hills taken care of and now I can really truly focus on the big mountain. That's how I that's how I justify it for myself, and it works because eventually I do you know i will get the mountain done because i i just don't like having anything that i need to do looming over me but um yeah i have sometimes been guilty of that one myself
1: <laughs> <laughs> we uh we all have but the problem really is what, is when we never get to the big uh the really big stuff right <laughs> you know if if we do get to it then it's really not a problem it's almost like priming ourselves you know with a little task and then mm-hmm. we get to the bigger and then bigger and the bigger task Um, So another thing is like instant gratification. We give in to feeling good in the moment. And when we put off a task we don't feel like doing, we immediately feel better. And that good feeling is really a reward for avoiding something unpleasant. And because we reward ourselves every time we procrastinate, like, so uh, what do you think happens, right? Procrastination becomes a habit. So the more we procrastinate, the stronger the procrastination habit becomes because we keep rewarding ourselves.
0: Oh, so it's kind of like this never ending cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know about it, if you don't, if it's not brought to your attention as to that's what you're doing, then you yep. really don't know that you're in this, this circle and you're just going around and around and around. Yeah, that's absolutely true.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Well, give us some more goodies with regards to, you know, the surface stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, another one is addiction to uh, last minute arousal. So, what that <laughs> uh, what that means is that we if if we put off something until the last minute, uh, when we're, when we start at the last minute, we get that adrenaline rush because we have we have to stay up all night or or, or whatever, and it really feels good to be really that busy. Um, but what it is is that we're yeah we're addicted to that adrenaline rush at the end. Mm-hmm. And so some people put things off to get that uh, adrenaline rush, but they don't know that they're doing it for that reason. It, it's just that it's just that uh, yeah, they're addicted to it. They don't even know what they're doing. Oh wow. Yeah, and and it's a myth that and and some people will say that they work better under pressure, but that's absolutely not true. They just think they do. It's the adrenaline rush that makes them think that they're uh, you know they're, that makes them totally focused and uh, and and uh, but they're not but but they're not producing better work because uh, well you know what it's like to write a paper at the last minute right yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> you really, really <laughs> are trying to cover all the P's and Q's of what you're supposed to in the paper, but it it it's not your best work.
1: It's not your best work. I mean,
0: ever. you may you may do well on it, but just think if you, you know, took the time and did it and put the effort into it and not waited to the last minute, how much better it could be. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's
1: so. So I'm going to go uh, into some of the some of the deeper reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Um, yeah, well, you must have heard about perfectionism. Yes, right. Ha- and, ha- and for those of us who are who are perfectionists, if we're not one hundred percent certain that we can do something perfectly, it just might prevent us from even starting.
0: Oh, yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Because I'm, God, I feel like this is a psychoanalysis for me um, because I am a perfectionist, um, and sometimes. Um, I do have, you know, that if I can't do it perfect, then I'm going to wait until I can do it perfect. Um, I get it done, but what I've learned to do is, um, over the course of the last year is it doesn't have to be perfect to go out. It just has to go out and then you can always course correct later. And so that's been a real awakening for me, um, with lightening up the perfectionism that I have within myself um, because it it can, you know, it can prevent you sometimes from moving forward.
1: (coughs) Yes, it can. Absolutely. And then, and then there's, there are fears, right? There's fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of not being good enough. Right. And these fears can stop us from moving forward because if, if the fear is strong enough, we, we won't even start. Oh. Yeah. So that's another deeper fear. Um these I mean, these deeper fears are, are 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 not as clear. Right. Uh but but they're there. They're very rampant. I mean when I see I see my clients so it's always uh it's always a deeper fear. Because they've tried everything or they think they've tried everything and nothing has worked. Right. So um, some of the other ones, too, are like when we have unrealistic expectations of ourselves. So sometimes our expectations of ourselves are so big that rather than risk failing, we avoid even starting. So, I mean, it it is kind of related to the others Mm -hmm. that that I've talked about. Um, There's also away from motivation. And so away from motivation is where we're focused more on avoiding or or eliminating uh, an undesired outcome. Than we are, but moving toward a goal. So it's something that pushes us from the back rather than pulling us forward. Right. And so, if we have that kind of motivation, I mean, I have to say that 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 we all have both kinds of motivation, but the away from or the toward uh, is uh, uh, we all have one kind that primarily motivates us. So if we have the way for, the away from, then 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 the task becomes onerous and it requires a lot more willpower. Because we don't create the forward momentum toward our goal. Right. And then it costs us a lot of energy. Okay, so, so, so that could be another reason. Wow, this is fascinating. So,
0: you know, it seems like a lot of things that what you're discussing and describing here seems like a lot of things that I see. And I know you see people just do every day and they think that it's just normal for them or that they're okay, or it's not hampering them in any way, shape or form. But in reality, what it is, is it's really the form of a form of procrastination, whether it's either on the surface or deeper. And they just don't realize it because, you know, for one, that's probably how they've always, um, you know how they always responded to things, and so they just think it's natural for them. And in, in reality, it's not natural to be like that.
1: Yeah, that's um, that's so true because we uh, we do develop these defense mechanisms that exactly. prevent us <laughs> from really taking a good look at ourselves. Yeah, it's,
0: it's you know as 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 our mentor says. Um, it's easy to see it on other people on the tip of other people's nose, but you can't see it on the tip of your own nose. And so, you know, that's so funny. It's such a simple little statement, but it's so true because a lot of times you don't want to see, or you really, 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 truly don't want to see the true picture of yourself because you might find something in there that you truly don't like, but yet you can point that out the aspect of it that you don't, want to see in yourself, you can see it so quickly in others, you know, for instance, like people who procrastinate, they may not see that in themselves that they procrastinate, but they sure can see it in others right away. You know, it's really interesting that it's there, it's part of us, but we just don't see it in the way that it really should be seen. And I think once we do see it in the way that it should be seen, or we start getting that "Quote unquote awakening to it, then that's what leads people to seek out. I want to be better. I want to feel better. I want to do better, and they seek out people like you know you and I to to help them with whatever it is that's hampering them or, or keeping them from being their best. Right. Wow.
1: Now, um,
0: what are some of the reasons why why we continue to procrastinate, even though? We know we shouldn't. Now, you pointed out, you know, some really good things here. And I know, like I said, I can pick out a couple that I've done or I've done in the past or I've had problems with and have gotten over it. But what about for those out there listening that, you know, they can, you know, they may continue to procrastinate, but they, they and they know they shouldn't or they even don't know. Um, wait, a, wait a minute. Let me rephrase that. What about for the people out there that are listening and, you know, can you just explain to them what are some of the reasons why they might continue to procrastinate even though they don't know, though, even though they know they shouldn't, I guess is what I'm trying to answer or
1: ask. My tongue twisted today.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, it, You know, it, it it's a compulsion. They can't help themselves. hmm uh-huh. That's if you're a chronic procrastinator and you have one of these deeper, uh, these deeper reasons, then it's a compulsion. You really can't, um, you really can't help yourself and you know it's hurting you, but there's, it's like there's nothing you can do about it. It's, it's like you're paralyzed. <coughs> you know, so- you try to push forward and, and you buy these, these time planners and, and you organize your day <laughs> hey. and you make to-do lists, but, it doesn't matter. It's like a it's like a wall. So
0: and truly in yeah. in essence is you really need to um, really unpeel the layers of the onion, so to speak, to get yeah. to the heart of the problem. And once you yeah. get to the heart of the problem, then everything else, you know, generally can fall into line for you. Is that is that what you're saying? Is that what I'm yeah. hearing? Yeah. And that's, that's I think I think that's the difficult part is unpeeling the layers of the onion. Sometimes that can be traumatizing to people, I guess, because they've held on to this identity for so long that they fear that if they if they didn't have this identity, who would they be
1: it It can be traumatic because often it comes from uh, from childhood yeah yeah now i it's
0: interesting because you've
1: had it they've been carrying it
0: for a long time that that is really interesting because um you know when you say it comes from childhood i'm just going to take a turn on the to the left here for just a minute but what are some of the things that you've discovered that may have occurred in people's childhood that have led them to be this way
1: there's um oh there's an interesting uh client that that i worked with he um he let, uh sorry <laughs> i'm getting tongue tied too um let let must, me just think back must be, for a minute
0: let's see the way the planets are lined up today you know I, you know me i never get tongue tied but today i'm tongue tied <laughs>
1: <laughs> He 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 came to me because he wanted to become more productive, and and this was someone who worked. So so his wasn't really um, um, a procrastination problem, but mm-hmm. but but you can see how it came from early childhood. He wanted to be more productive, and he um, because he worked from like six a.m. to midnight seven days a week, and he had a young family, mm-hmm. and he really wanted to work less. And uh, he was self-employed, so he he could choose his hours. And he had taken time management uh, training. And uh, what it did was it, it it let him pack more stuff into his day, but it didn't reduce the number of hours. And the reason it didn't reduce the number of hours is because if he worked, he was a good boy. Oh, okay. And that came from childhood where his father would get them up at eight a m on a Saturday morning and to say, "What do you think this is? Is this the hospital right and so he didn't know he didn't know that that's what drove him. It was a huge revelation for him
0: right, yeah,
1: yeah, and only then was he able to to start reducing his hours, being more choosy about his projects and and uh and it and it took a conscious effort to do that wow that he uh yeah.
0: That's deep because I know there's people out there listening that may have experienced that, you know, as a child growing up. Um for instance, I know um a person that when they were growing up, they on the weekends literally had that same kind of experience. Their dad was in the military and so um but he had got out gotten out of the military. However, he still kept that regimented Routine, you know, for his kids, and he's raising two girls. You know, a, a mom and a dad and two girls, and the girls were expected to get up at seven o'clock on the weekends, have their beds made up and fully dressed, showered, dressed, and you know, uh, breakfast at at the table by eight. Um, And then they proceeded on to clean the house or whatever their chores were, you know, for the day. And he really took them. I mean, he would, you know, pull out the white gloves and check how, you know, the dust and their bed had to be made military style. So if he bounced a quarter on it, it had to bounce and, you know, all kind of stuff. Now, what was funny is, you know, these sisters grew up and um, one sister became completely regimented like that with her kids. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be laying around. What do you think the weekend is for? For you to lay around. There's stuff to be done. You're not going to be lazy. So and so and so and so. Right. But the other sister took the complete opposite and chose you know what? It's the weekend. If I want to stay in bed till 10 o'clock, I'm going to stay in bed till 10 o'clock. I'm going to stay in my pajamas. I'm going to, you know, who cares if a quarter bounces on my bed? Heck, I may not even make up my bed today. And so it was really interesting that you said this is really interesting to see because I guess it can go one way, you know, or the other in, in extremes, right?
1: It can. So mm-hmm. It all depends on, on, on how the child internalizes and, and what the child says about it. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Really fascinating. I have. Um, there, there's another example. Would you like another example, of a procrastination really? one this time? Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of my favorite clients, uh, who's uh, who's a chiropractor and who procrastinated about client development. And so he really loved his work, but his practice was, it just kept shrinking and he kept moving into smaller and smaller offices. And in fact, rather than working on developing his practice, he often stayed home and played video games. <laughs> <laughs> and so I mean I I took him through through my assessment process and so I asked him questions about his you know what is to look for his deepest priorities and and really his his deepest reasons why he why he procrastinated and his deepest fear was fear of failure so rather than just failing at developing his practice he didn't do it at all and that came and 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 that came from childhood where he got uh we uh we linked it back to he got 100% on a math exam one time in, in elementary school, and every time after that that he got 95%, his parents would ask him where was the other 5%. Oh. So he always had to, he, so he didn't know that that is what drove him. Unless he could do something absolutely perfectly, he wasn't going to do it at all, and he didn't know that that drove him. Wow. And then once he understood, right, that that was his deepest reason for procrastinating, um, so we worked, so we did work on changing his belief, and once his belief was changed, uh, then we looked at the physical behaviors that he could change, right, to be more congruent with his deepest uh, priorities, Mm. and uh, in the end, he, um, his practice grew by 50% in the four months that we worked together. Wow. Yeah. And... He has a new business partner, and they do their client development work together, and this was strategic on his part, that's what what he had wanted. So, And and I see he's less stressed, he's happier, his wife is happier. And in the past year, they've gone on two overseas holidays, which they weren't able to do before. Wow.
0: And so, what happened to the video (laughs) games?
1: He doesn't, he doesn't stay at home. I, I don't know what he does on the weekends, but I know during the week he doesn't stay home and play video games anymore. It, it, it truly was amazing. Yay, wow. On his part. That- and he felt awful. You know, he's procrastinating, and he was right. really good at what he does, and he loved. He loves what he does. Right. But he felt awful. Wow,
0: because he didn't want to fail. And, and, you know, it's really, this is, this is something that I, I hope the audience uh takes into account that, you know, if you have children, it, what you do and what you say to your child, even though you think it might be insignificant, sometimes sometimes can really have a profound f- effect on them as they grow and develop and, and, you know, grow up to be, you know, adults. I mean, I, I take a look at myself, and 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 I'm hearing you say this stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. Fortunately for me, my kids are great, you know, and I and I, but but it's because of the lessons I learned or the things that I went through as a child that really, um, I don't know if the right word it is, but I'm just gonna put it out there that really scarred me, and I didn't want to do that to my kids, so I did I took the complete opposite approach, but more in a loving in supportive manner so to speak. You know, I can I can relate to the story of what you just told. You know, the the kid brings home a hundred percent, all raised raros, oh that's great, that's fabulous, that's fabulous. The kid brings home a ninety five percent and it's like, well how come you didn't get the hundred? You know, and it's like, but I still got an A. And an A is an A is an A. It doesn't matter if it's a 100 A or a 95 A. An A is an A is an A. And so I had that experience as well. And it was just like, wow. But what that did was push me to the point of being um, an excelling person where I, I wanted to excel and be the best and get the best and really became this internally driven person. But then it set me up for other issues later. And so... One of them was not procrastination, but it did set me up for other issues like the perfectionism and, you know, and, you know, trying to be in control of everything and just really stressing myself out and internalizing it and so on and so forth. So I just want to tell people that, you know, be gentle with your children, reward them and, and you know, set them up for success and not failure. It's OK if Johnny didn't get a 100 on his test this time and he got an 85. It's still passing you know, it's, you know, you want to stroke them because when you stroke them in a positive manner, and it could be kids or young adults or whatever the case may be, but when you stroke them in a positive manner, there's so much more positivity in that. There's so much more love in that versus, you know, not stroking them or, or being critical or finding that little fault. It's like painting the wall green, painting a white wall green and someone walks in and sees a little white speck and says, Oh, well, you missed this spot. What about the whole beautiful wall that I just painted? <laughs> You know, it's it's so, um, I, I love what you're sharing because I think a lot of us, even though we don't want to really admit to it, can relate to it. And it may just be the spark that ignites someone to realize that they need to make a change in their life and take some action steps. And if they're suffering with procrastination, they might want to explore why they're suffering. They might want to call you or hook up with you, Dr. Ar- Irina, to discover how they can conquer this problem that might be hampering them from being their best at, you know, business and really being the best that they can be in their life. So this is just really, really, really deep down, hardcore, well, not hardcore, but really to the core information that it's, you're presenting it so gentle, but it's so awakening and so enlightening for all of us. So I want to thank you for this um, because it's just, Uh, touching home with me in so many ways now I know you helped these two individuals and I'm sure you've helped hundreds more um, with them getting through their procrastination anxiety phase or period or so to speak but what are some of the things that you know me say I can do or or people that are listening um, can do to, to start to get things done to stop the dreaded syndrome of procrastination
1: well, if, if first I can add to what you said about about raising children. Mm-hmm. Um, just so that parents um, can well, don't get really uh nervous about thinking that everything that the everything that they do really matters. Um, you we really can't control how children are gonna think about about what we uh about what we say or do. And so you can be the best parent ever. And sure. your children who still grow up with, they probably will grow up with some beliefs that are not, <laughs> uh, right. that are, that are not uh, positive for them. So just relax and be compassionate with yourself. That's all I can say about that. So some of the things we can do is, uh, first of all, self-criticism doesn't work to get us to do what, what, what we need to do. So we should stop it and be compassionate with ourselves.
0: Okay, wait, hold on, Irina. I want to repeat that. Did you guys hear that? Self-criticism does not work. Instead, you should be compassionate with yourself, okay? That's really, really important because the moment something doesn't work for us or we're not feeling like we're up to par, what do we do? We start internally criticizing ourselves. So Irina says that doesn't work. So today, after this moment, after I shut up, Stop doing that and just be really, really loving and supportive with yourself. Okay, Irina, go on.
1: <laughs> okay. So we procrastinate, right, to to relieve uh, immediate anxiety. So even though it causes us more stress in the long run, so the brain has has two ways to want things. Um, there's the midbrain or the limbic system. And that's all about immediate gratification and avoiding pain, and it's where the fight or flight response is located. And so another another name that we could use for is that it's a feel-good system because it always wants to feel good, and it reacts very fast. And then there are the frontal regions of the brain that are connected to that limbic system, and that keeps track of your big goals and values and your more expansive view of your options, and it predicts consequences. And when it's dominant, like I'm really well rehearsed in what's important, it helps you say yes or no to your behavior. And this system is slower, and it's also where the pause and plan response is located. So pause and planning is good, mm-hmm. right? And and we all have that pause and plan response, but in order to activate it, like our brain and our body need to be well fueled and well rested. And so then, you've all heard about uh, breathing. Can uh, can relieve stress. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, th- yeah. A deep breathing relieves stress, but also what it does is that it can shift the brain. So if, if you're in an anxious state and 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 you want to procrastinate to relieve it, you can shift the brain from that fight or flight response because really it is a fight or flight response when you don't want to do what uh, what's in front of you, but you want to do something else. So you can shift your brain to the pause and plan response if you do that deep breathing. Oh. And also that so the best way, to, another way to do with anxiety is also acceptance. It's just it's really an awareness mm. of of how we feel in the moment, and and then to use that quality of attention or mindfulness to remember what your goals are, and so that's how the brain will shift from from the fight or flight response to the pause and the plan. So if you wait. Rather than jumping into something else, and you accept how you feel, and you start to uh, breathe deeply, then your brain will slow down.
0: I like that because I I, I yeah. do advocate um, breathing, and in Ayurveda, you know, we do a lot of pranayama. Or if some pe- if people take yoga out there, they they know that pranayama or breathing and being in touch with your breath. It's really, really beneficial to just not only your mind and your body, but your spirit as well. So I really like that with regards to how you, you know, say to just take that, you know, take some breaths and and let it flow in you and and let things relax and and let things happen. Um, And and it will help with the anxiety that's caused due to the procrastination. So
1: yeah and and there and I mean there are also physiological reasons. I mean it it's supported by research. So mm-hmm. it's not that's uh what yoga teachers, right, right, tell you you do and, and and breathe. It really physiologically there is a shift.
0: Oh yeah. They, they, yeah. And and I want to uh, you guys out there listening. I I, I just like to make a point you guys hear me, you know, week after week talking about, you know, the breath or, you know, with my guests, a guest might be on the show and we may refer to taking some deep breath to reset and things of that nature. And it's not just so much of just doing a deep breath just to be doing it because that's what we say to do. But Dr. Irina has really conferred what I know and believe as a, a registered nurse and an Ayurvedic health practitioner that it does have a profound Effect And there's that favorite word of mine, you guys, profound, but it does have that mm-hmm. <laughs> profound effect on the physiological mechanisms that occur within the body at levels we don't we're not even aware yeah. of. So we're not just saying this to just be saying it because it's a new in vogue term. No deep breathe or pranayama or whatever. It really, really is beneficial. And so I really want to reiterize that to you guys that. Take the time now, if you're listening to us and you're writing and you're taking notes, take the time now to take nice, some slow, three slow, nice deep breaths where you allow your abdomen to expand fully and contract. And you will see if you really in tune to yourself and, and take this moment to be in tune to yourself by doing that, you will see that you will feel different after you do that than you did before you did it. So please, please, please. Take this information and, and utilize it in your life because it can have a profound, beneficial effect on on you and how you go forward. You know, on your path to living blissfully. Um, so, Doctor Irina, is there anything more that you want to share with us about um, other things that people can do to get you know to get started? Um, in
1: yeah, uh, a good thing to do is to plan your day. And I don't mean by planning it, I don't mean by making a to do list and having a hundred things on your to do list, but three things or so, um, in your day that, that, uh, that are important and that will move you forward. Because if you leave your decision about what to work on next to the last minute, your limbic system is going to kick in. Remember, the limbic system is the fast response, and that's all about, that's the feel good system mm-hmm. and the fight or flight response. So by planning your day, you can um you can, you can get around that limbic system uh kicking in too uh too quickly um, so what else um, Write things down because mm-hmm. memory memory is fallible, and keeping tasks active and working memory is also stressful and if you keep everything in working memory, then something will get dumped, and it just might be that important thing that'll get dumped right, yeah. And um, some of the other ones are like define done, right? Like uh, when a task will be complete because studies show that an ambiguous goal is is really related to lower quality of work and lower productivity. And some of the things that you might not know is, is to keep your goals to yourself.
0: I like that. I, I know that one too. That
1: You know that one. And also don't fantasize. And in fact don't visualize achieving your goal and that's contrary to what the self-help literature tells you oh my goodness based on research yeah the research yes. shows don't visualize achieving your goal because it makes the goal feel psychologically real oh. and so then your feelings of achievement arrive too early and they reduce motivation so rather than doing that, you, you, you expect success and you visualize the steps that you need to take to achieve your goal.
0: I like that. Repeat that again because visualizing, you know, that, that is a, I want to say, a new Excel thing to do that everyone says, oh, you just need to visualize you crossing the finish line or you just need to visualize that you're on the Oprah show or you just need to visualize whatever it is. And um And I like what you just said. So can you just repeat that for our listeners? Listeners, please take note of this. This is is really, really some important information here that's going to help you. So say that one more
1: time. Yeah. Don't, Don't fantasize or visualize achieving your goal because it makes the goal, it makes it feel psychologically real. And then it gives you these feelings of achievement. but these feelings arrive too early and they reduce motivation. So rather than that, you visualize the steps that you need to take to achieve the goal. And that's what the research shows. There are a number of research studies, uh, recent ones in 2011, 2012 now, that have looked at that. And that's what they're saying.
0: I like that. I'm actually writing it down myself. Visualize the steps you need to take to achieve the goal. I love that. Achieve the goal. That's 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 going to be my motto. That's powerful because it's so contradictory to what they're saying with, you know, the invo thing. You know how that goes. It'll yeah. come and go, but um but the real stuff stays around forever. It doesn't go out of style and I like that. I I really 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 like that. Um okay, so now the problem we have, as you know, in today's society is all this technology, you know, <laughs> social media, the media, email, this, that, and the other that can really get into the, get in the way of, you know, how we think and how we handle things that we need to be doing that's important to us. Do you have any suggestions on how to handle that dreaded, infamous time sucker of replying, in looking, or I should, let me rephrase it, at looking and replying to email. That can be a time sucker. And I know I listened to someone a while back who said, oh, just dedicate 15 minutes a day. So you're going to do five minutes in the morning, five minutes midday, and five minutes before you go. Well, we all know that if you respond to three emails, that's five minutes. However, some of us get, you know, a hundred emails a day, and some of them are just, fluff and junk and we don't need to respond to. But the majority of the time, a lot of them are stuff that we may need to respond to. They may need to be, you know, addressed or important. How um, how do we handle that?
1: Well, it, it, it's interesting to look at the psychology of that first, if if, uh, if you don't mind, because don't oh, the psychologists think that we're addicted to email. and And how we do that is that we condition ourselves to keep checking all day long. Mm-hmm. And we check the email because we're looking for that one important message. Right. And we only get this really important message sometimes when we can't predict when we're going to get it. Right? So, mm-hmm. so psychologists call this a variable ratio reinforcement that you keep checking and sometimes you hit pay dirt. And so, and this is the most powerful form of conditioning. So in the lab, for example, rats will keep pressing the lever. Because even though they can't predict when they're going to get a food pellet, they've learned that if they keep pressing, it's only a matter of time before the food pellet comes out. And it's the same method that casinos use for their slot machines. And that's what keeps people at the slot machines because they know if they stay long enough, they're going to get a payout and that's how it leads to addiction. Okay. So psychologists really believe the same thing is is happening with email and Facebook is really good because it just sends you messages all day long. Right. Right? Right. Um, so what are some of the things you can do is really turn off your... But, but you've heard, you've probably heard them all. Turn off your email notification and check only once, twice, or four times a day. Mm-hmm. But in the end, what you have to do is control your email and don't let it control you. And just be aware that it can be an addiction. Wow. Yeah,
0: I, I, I see that. I mean, I see people... <clears throat> non stop constantly you know checking their phone if they're not at their computer, they're checking their phone they're you know on facebook they're twitter they're tweeting on twitter twitter is is not as i want to say invasive as facebook Facebook really has invaded all aspects of our life yeah. you know with the notifications and all that, and um it really is i I'm guilty of facebook you know but i don't I don't do it a lot um but it really can be a time sucker you know and you know, it's so much easier to check your phone and look at Facebook than to really sit down and compose that letter that you need to write. <laughs>
1: there, there goes instant gratification, too. Exactly. Right? We talked about that. Yeah, instant gratification.
0: Yeah. And, you know, sitting down, composing that letter that you really need to write, you know, yeah. for the the launch of whatever venture you're doing business-wise product-wise whatever it may be you know it's going to take a little bit of time you got to put a little thought into that you know it's, it's kind of like running a marathon you actually have to train and you actually have to get in there and do it in order to do it so to speak but with Facebook or social media or emails you know it is really you can look you can see you can oh so-and-so replied to me and you know you get this overwhelming instant gratification and um it's immediate, you know, it is immediate. You know, you don't know what you're going to get when you write that letter, you know, how it's going to be received or how even if it's going to be a good letter, you know, it might be a starting point. And you have to go in and edit it and critique it and revise it and all that kind of stuff. But with the um social media and email, it's right there. You know, you don't have to tweak anything. You just look and see. And, and so it's interesting the analogy you gave with regards to you know, the casinos and th- and things of that nature, because I do see that. Or even the rats, you know, when they're in their little lab and they're going through their little maze and they push the lever. Well, you know, they may push the lever 10 times and get nothing, but maybe on that 11th time they'll get that little you know kernel to eat, or they may push it two times in a row and get something, but you know they might not get nothing for ten times, so they're compelled to go back and keep pushing it and because they know eventually if they push it long enough and 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 you know be consistent enough they'll get something in return, so
1: right
0: that's that's um really really
1: yeah so so the key really is to be aware of what you're doing, okay, you guys did you hear that the key is.
0: To be aware of what you're doing, which goes into what I always say is being present and being mindful of the present moment. And when you are mindful and you're and you're aware of the present moment, then you'll be aware of what you're doing at that moment in time. The simple it may not be the easiest thing to do, but it is really simple. And sometimes the simple things are not easy to do, but with right. consistency and effort and taking action forward it can be something that can be simple to do. I remember when I was a kid, and you remember, I don't know if you guys had to do this in, um, in Canada, but... Running, this, we had to do this thing called the six minutes, and you had to run for six minutes, and you had to get so many cones. It was like the physical fitness agility test. I don't even need, know if they still do that in school, but it was like the first time, you know, you would practice before you had the real test, you know, in PE. You would practice a couple times or a few days because they wanted you to do well because, of course, it, helped, it made the school look well when they're, when their kids are healthy and fit. So you start off running and it's like, oh my God, I can't run for six. If you could run for a minute, that was like, okay, great, you know, and then the next time you two and next time three and eventually you're doing six. It's easy to run, it's not hard to do, but it's it's sometimes not the simplest thing to do because it requires effort, energy and growth. And I think that's the same thing of what we're discussing here today with regards to what you're saying about procrastination. We can see it. We can realize it within ourselves. We know we need to make a change. We know it's something that we need to do. But sometimes, even though the simplest things that are given to us may not be the easiest things to do, but with practice and effort and taking action, they can become a lot easier for us. We just have to take that first step. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah. beautiful beautiful now <clears throat> excuse me as we get to the end of the show here um you've given us a number of things we can do to start you know getting things done and and start eliminating some of that procrastination factors that might be affecting us that uh, eventually and ultimately will help us to reduce and eliminate stress in our lives um how do you say or how would you say how could we incorporate some of these things that you've offered to us um, in a consistent manner? Is there do you have some suggestions on how we can start incorporating these things so we can be consistent with them? Um,
1: one of the things that uh, that's really important is to develop routines and habits because routines and habits, um, it's like it prevents your limbic system, right, the the the, the fast system, from kicking mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. and it also frees up your mind to do more creative and more and and yeah, uh, more creative things. So, for example, Steve Jobs, his life was highly regimented. R- highly regimented. I mean, he even wore the same thing every day.
0: Right.
1: Right. So, so that's really like, and, and all of the highly successful people in the world have routines and habits that they do every day. Um, and also just start, because once you start on a task, your brain won't let it go. So you're much more likely to go back to it if you just start. I like that. Yeah. And and then there's, no, I mean, focus and commitment. Uh, that's what it takes. Right. I mean, there, there, there's no shortcut past that. And that's where our thought patterns and our limiting beliefs can get in the way. So, so, so like these strategies you can use, but but if you have a deeper issue, then it won't it won't get rid of that, right? I, I talked about perfectionism and fear, and so these surface strategies won't get rid of those. And so then what you need is you really need to sit down with someone who can help you uncover that root cause like as I did with my, with my chiropractor client and, and, and the other one mm-hmm. and, uh, and clear it out. So this is perfect because we're just about up for time
0: and I want to know and I want you, I, well, I, know, I know how to get in contact with you. <coughs> But I want you to share with others that may be suffering from this problem that are listening how they can get in contact with you to explore possibly working deeper with you if they, you know, if they feel compelled to do so.
1: Um, I have um, I have a number of uh, a few free gifts that I have. Okay. And one of them is a seven-day e-course that I offer called Boost Your Performance. And the e-course is, is based on the work of a psychologist from Stanford University and helps you create three new habits in seven days. So this is one of those surface strategies I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, th- th- there are other things on that page and also a way for you to get in contact with me. Um, and you can find all of that at irenaobryan.com forward slash free gifts. So that's I-R-E-N-A-O-B-R-I-E-N, no apostrophe, no no punctuation, dot com forward slash free gifts.
0: Okay, you guys, there you go. Dr. Irena O'Brien has given us some compelling information that will help us to really, really begin to scratch the surface of eliminating procrastination from our life. However, if you feel compelled to work with her, if you feel that you want to talk to her more because she's touched a spot on you that you really need to address and you want to address, please go to com, and you can get her free gifts if you go to com forward slash free gifts. She's A wonderful lady. She's given us some wonderful information and it's my honor to have you as a guest. And I thank you so much, Irina, for, um, coming on the show today. I know the listeners are just going to be flabbergasted with this information because I know a lot of us out there suffer from procrastination. So thank you so much. Love, love, love having you. And, uh, will probably bring you back again because I know you have more to share with us. But right now, I must bring it to a close. This is Rochelle Lawson. And I want to thank all of you guys for being here with us today for your hour of blissful living. I am your host and I am the queen of feeling fabulous. And as always, it is my goal to bring peace to your mind, wellness to your body, and tranquility to your spirit. I am wishing you much health and wellness and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day. Take care and chat with you again. Bye for now.
1: You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, or at healthhealingwellness.com